0: put on your big hollywood sunglasses and light the torch because it's cellar time Welcome to the Crack Cellar, as the prophecy was foretold. I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I'm Broadcaster Nichols. And today we're here to preview a game that came out eight years ago. Broadcaster Nichols, what is your memory of the original Fantasy Star Online? How much did you play it?
1: Uh, my memories are sitting in a basement in Rock Springs, Wyoming, watching you play it on a Dreamcast with overpriced memory cards.
0: <laughs> oh dude, I forgot about that. Those things were like a hundred bucks.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was the main reason I couldn't play the game. I remember wanting to like have my own save file or whatever and just it was an ungodly it took up a whole memory card almost or oh, something like that. So you couldn't good.
0: Yeah. Well at least I wasn't just being a dick and like hogging it.
1: No, you definitely were doing that. Too,
0: <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I mean
1: the purchase of the video of the memory card would have only allowed me to play you know, ten percent of the real estate available.
0: Yeah, that was a weird era, man. That that whole late nineties era of memory cards that cost the fucking price of fuck, like a go kart. You could buy a go kart for a hundred bucks back then. <laughs> it's <laughs> the price to get a damn memory card. It was crazy times, but Fancy Star Online for the Dreamcast was an incredibly revolutionary game. The Dreamcast was a revolutionary console well before its time, which is why it failed. People just weren't ready for it. But I can't help but think Fantasy Star Online totally changed the fabric of what an online RPG can be on a console. Because before that, it didn't exist. And co-op RPGs in general were very rare. And then Phantasy Star Online comes out. And for for the Dreamcast, with a built-in modem, and all of a sudden, in the year 1999 or the year 2000, I forget when it came out, you're you're fucking playing an MMORPG on a console. A lot of people don't even think that the, the first MMORPG on a console was, like, in 2010 or some shit. If you ask people, that's probably what they'd tell you.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, you know, because if you really think about the era the Dreamcast came out, it was just a couple years later when the... Uh, ps2 and the xbox came out right
0: yeah it was uh it was undercut i was they undercut those by like two years yeah two or three yeah, years
1: because it was like what dreamcast is like 2000 Wait 1999 to 2000
0: well, let me think about out? this here the ps2 came out i think in the year 2000 right so no that because would mean- i
1: was i was in wyoming in my pretty much fourth through fifth grades. And I was, that was pretty much 10 to 11 for me. And that would have been 2000 to 2001. And we were in that basement in those years. And that's when the Dreamcast came out. So.
0: I th- yeah. I think the Dreamcast came out about the same time as the PS2. Now I think about maybe like oh, a year before, okay. maybe a year that's, before, but they're gotcha. very close together, I think. But uh the Dreamcast was definitely first and it, it had a it had a bunch of really good games but PSO was the game it was the system seller it was the Bloodborne of the dreamcast and
1: <laughs> i remember at the time just looking at it it was just gorgeous it was, oh, yeah. it, was cut, it was it definitely had that cutting edge vibe just from looking at it
0: yeah and it, it wasn't really an mmorpg though it was it kind of was it had some features of an mmorpg but it was really more like a diablo game you had like parties of four and you went through the same experience, single or multiplayer. However you went through it, it was a structured, structured levels with bosses for each level, sort of like Diablo.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, fancy star online since its conception has seemed to be a, an idea that's always pushing the, the boundaries of the existing hardware, no matter what, maybe not so much nowadays, because everything's kind of become vanilla but back in the day when Fantasy Star first came along, they were doing something that the, the they just there's just no way that it, the hardware could handle it. You know, they were they had to they had to trim the fat off of that off many iterations of that game probably before it actually shipped with the Dreamcast.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because Fantasy Star Online Two looks like it's an actual MMORPG. So, uh, have you seen any gameplay videos at all? Was there any gameplay in the trailer you watched?
1: No, there wasn't. I'm, you know, uh, I guess I'll just put this out there. I don't really play these games, so I don't know much about that. But the trailer showed, the rendered uh, footage of what seemed to be traditional MMO battles, and then I also like, and I almost was. Just, of more MMO than I was expecting. Like I saw a red mage-looking character. I saw a tank. I saw a caster. I, I didn't think really. I didn't. I didn't think about Fantasy Star in that way. I guess I yeah. used, to, used to see like high-tech guns and in uh, lightsaber-type weapons and stuff. That's at least what I remember from the Dreamcast version. Like there was these floating pod assistant-type computer things you could get, or they were boosters or something like
0: that. I, re- I don't remember. You're right. It was like a bunch of just futuristic weaponry and definitely lightsabers. the The thing that's weird though here is Pso two does not look very much like Pso one. So I I was I was a Pso super fan. I fucking played the fuck out of that game. I played it online, single player. So I'm coming at this as like a really hardcore fan of the franchise. I didn't really pay much attention to PSO2 in the last eight years, even though it's been out in Japan, just because I was told and under the impression that it was never coming to the West, ever, and that there was really no reason to even look at it as someone who lives in America. So I didn't, and then all of a sudden, a year ago, they announced that this was happening, and when I looked at the gameplay, I was a little surprised. This game looks much more like a game like Terra, an action MMORPG than it does actually like PSO. It has free form action combat with your own combos that you make yourself that aren't like hard coded. And it looks super fluid and just really different, way different than I expected. And that's kind of got me excited a little bit because one of the weaknesses of PSO is that, and I think it was hardware, a hardware limitation is that the combat sometimes felt a little clunky. Was
1: it was it totally uh, freeform fighting in Fantasy Star Online? You didn't, like, there was no actual turn base or weight or yeah, anything like that? It was. It, it was a hack was. and slash? Yeah. It was?
0: It, yeah, it was, but it was different. There was no jumping, and there were no combos, really. You just had moves, and it was much more basic. Like, it was a much more rudimentary combat system, and it just was slower, and it... It was definitely action from the beginning, but it seems like they're really, with this one, really trying to make it a real MMORPG. And when you look at the bosses in that trailer, you really get that impression. Like, those bosses looked fucking crazy, and they looked like they took a lot of people to fight, not just four.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll, most of them besides that artillery cruiser. I didn't really... Uh... That really stood out to me in the in the trailer. (laughs) I was like, you guys, all this future future, uh, I don't know, warriors, I guess you call them, all going against what looks to be a 21st century navy cruiser. (laughs) Like, what's what the fuck is so special about that?
0: (laughs) I uh, yeah, I have no idea. It it's very weird. It's like a very Japanese thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> like when you think about just how they like to do really weird quirky bosses especially in like the more nerdy japanese rpgs yeah. the ones that you don't really play like persona
1: it just really it just really stood out when you look at like uh, the seven faced winged deity they were all going against (laughs) and then they ended with the fucking cruiser just being stuck on an icy shore and all these warriors just like getting ready to like
0: what hit the side of the ship like what the fuck is going on here i half expected steven seagal to jump up on top of it just be like oh you fought you thought you were fighting the ship i am the ship
1: yeah leonardo dicaprio's captain but you find out Jack's alive,
0: or is he? Dum dum dum. But uh, yeah, the uh, the graphics are very plain looking, very washed out, and they, they kind of look like if you took FF14's graphics and like downgraded them to fifty percent quality.
1: Well, I mean, it's an eight-year-old game,
0: right? Yeah, and it, it, it's a side effect of it being so old, but at the same time it's kind of amazing how fluid that they've made the combat so i've seen more on this than you have i've seen a bunch of like combat people fighting like actual gameplay i've seen actual gameplay and it is very fast like guilty gear fast and it's it's odd watching it with an 8 year old action mmorpg cuz 8 years ago that's about when terra came out and terra had a hard time with its animations and the quality when it first came out like it it didn't it wasn't very fast and it felt kind of clunky because it was a new type of combat and it's weird to me that this game PSO 2 basically came out at the same time and they fucking nailed it i don't know if this is a thing that came over time because i believe there's like seven expansion packs that by the way all come for free
1: yeah they they made that pretty clear the trailer
0: but, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that a game looks like it licked the action combat system as in perfected it. And it, it's just now coming out eight years later in America. No one really knows it. It's like this weird secret of Japan.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of see why it's, it's one of those, uh, video games that, how do I say, um. Has a certain aesthetic and a demographic that really loves that a set aesthetic. It's like the Weiboo type. I don't. I don't want to offend anybody, but it's like that type of art is really for what people. A lot of people call the weebo culture, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I can see why Japan, as like a Japanese developer, would be cautious, or the company even behind that developer would be cautious of putting it on the Western market. Cause it does take a lot of money in advertisement, even if it's very little to, you know, get it all going. And it, if I, I don't know, it's just, I could see why it took a long time. You know, maybe at this point they had the infrastructure. Cause I don't know who released this game, but maybe they just had the infrastructure set up in the Western market at that point for it to be pretty cheap to implement. And, you know, to see if it worked out and who knows if it does go well, then it will change the future. I don't know if there's a fancy star online three coming, but maybe that's kind of what they're doing is testing the waters to see if they should uh, have a, a Western copy of fancy star online three when it, when it ships.
0: Hmm. Yeah. A lot of people think that, uh, the reason that it's so smooth in the English version is because they're using Microsoft's Azure platform for the mm-hmm. servers. And apparently those are really good for MMORPG performance. I, I don't really know why. I don't, I'm not a Microsoft guy. I don't own an Xbox, but it seems clear to me based off the fact that this is an Xbox console exclusive that Microsoft went out. Wait a minute! Convinced these guys to yeah. bring it over to America. I don't think they had plans. I think that I was originally correct in what people told me, and that I think Microsoft just begged them and threw the bank at them. You know, back to Brink's truck. No, up I,
1: don't I don't know. And Microsoft's begging everybody nowadays. That cloud formula there is well, uh, pretty, um, pretty, ex- pretty good. A lot of people. I mean, fucking Sony's going to use.
0: Well, ex- ex- what I mean to say is, so Microsoft. Has been trying to get a good MMORPG on its platform for a long time. They tried to get Yoshi P to port Final Fantasy XIV to Xbox, and he tried to too, but there was a bunch of politics and stuff, and they couldn't get it done, so hence FF14 is still a PS4 console exclusive. The fact that Microsoft tried so hard to get FF14 on their platform to me says that they really want one of these games and if they didn't get FF14 I feel like they might have went out for PSO2 to compete with FF14 because it's the the messaging in the trailers very oh this is an Xbox game you know what I mean like when you watch that trailer you don't even know it's a PC game if you were to watch it you just think it was only on Xbox
1: Yeah that's interesting because now that you say that, I remember just reading the giant title that said coming out via Xbox One X. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about that as I was reading it, though. I didn't take that as being exclusive. That's gonna yeah. that makes this so. You're gonna buy an Xbox to play no, this
0: game? No, it, no, it's on PC too.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, it's it's,
0: okay. it's exclusive to Xbox and PC. But what I'm saying is that the messaging in that trailer. You wouldn't know that. You would think it was just Xbox exclusive. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think Windows, and I, you, I personally like it, but I could see how the, this is a good example of how it would be misleading that Xbox is now a PC platform. Because that kind of seems how, how it's going to be from here on out. Xbox slash Microsoft is kind of just... Wanting it to go that way because we all know this is pretty much the last big console generations coming out after this. It's just going to be all digital platform. So,
0: yeah, yeah. The future of the console market is so weird to think about because we're definitely at a weird transformative stage. That's just starting. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, this is kind of off topic for sure. I like how, Google Stadia came out and it just crashed and burned and everyone thinks it's just a joke, but I mean, whilst the console itself is a joke, the infrastructure is still there and it's only going to improve. Google is going to come back and if they're not going to come back, they're going to sell it to their infrastructure to somebody that will make it come back. If it's not, I mean, what's Xbox shit called? They have a game pass where you can stream pretty much. I don't know thousands of games, I think it is.
0: Oh, yeah, they all have Uh, that now. All the platforms have streaming games, services or whatever. Sony,
1: I thought, yeah, Sony's in the middle. of. There's this PlayStation
0: Now. Yeah, they have PlayStation Now. Microsoft has Game Pass. Switch has NES and SNES Classic or whatever. Yeah, Nvidia... Nvidia has one
1: now, too. Right? G- Force Now. Oh, for the love of Christ.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The same thing that's happening with fucking movies and television is now happening with video games. We're just getting into these fractured ecosystems where everyone wants their own goddamn platform. And it's like, dude, just give it a rest.
1: Yeah. I think Steam's going to be a, a warrior of the, the cause in the future fights, I, I believe. Yeah. <sighs> Well, They're we'll like, see. Yeah. We'll see how half-life
0: Alex is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: back to back to Fancy Star Online.
0: <laughs> uh yeah. Um, thing I find interesting about this game based off of what I've seen is that because it's an an actual MMORPG now and less of a cooperative single player RPG which the original PSO sort of was. I have a feeling that it's going to be much lighter on storyline to the point where I wonder if the storyline is going to be a joke.
1: Well, I mean, most of the time to me, most of most storylines are jokes. Well, I mean, at some point
0: that's true, but PSO, the the
1: Warcraft was good to to a point that it kind of came a joke to me. And then Final Fantasy 14 is like the only thing that really stands out. I mean, sometimes I you could it. say their storyline gets,
0: you well, know, but there's some forget,
1: pretty big high points.
0: <laughs> let's not forget Old Republic. That has the best <sighs> yeah. storyline of MMORPG history. It's better. God. And I love FF14. You know, I'm an FF14 fanboy, and I will freely admit that KOTOR Online had the best MMO storylines of all time.
1: Yeah, that, it, it <laughs> was actually a pretty gripping storyline. I actually haven't played all of them either. Because there's oh, three were, separate ones,
0: right? Dude, they were all good, too. It's yeah. not like just one of them was good. Every, I played all the classes in, on the dark side in that game. And every single storyline was amazing. The Imperial Agents, which you would think would probably be the worst, was probably the best, dude. Basically, Imperial Agents are like these secret CIs, CIA spooks that follow around the Sith uh, assassins and the, the Inquisitors and the Juggernauts and cleans up their mess behind them and it, like it was just like such a great storyline that was totally unexpected and something that'd be more out of like Breaking Bad than a Star Wars game so it was really really cool and then of course just the regular Sith storylines while you know they're going to be a little tropey because it's like you know you're a fucking Sith inquisitor you're doing Sith things there's going to be memes but
1: the storyline actually drew you in that's what impressed me about the game the most. It wasn't not. It wasn't just an interesting storyline where you go tell people like this is one of the best storylines I've ever seen in a game. It's actually like a movie you mm-hmm. wanted to really go see. You know, they really captured that. I don't know what they've done with the game since if they've added more of that quality of storyline, but the original content of that game was really compelling. So
0: yeah, it was. I I've heard that the new content is good, but it's it comes so few and far between that uh, it's, it's hard to like stick with the game is basically the sentiment I hear. I think it's like they get new content once every like year and a half, like 18 months or so. <laughs> it's, it's not good. Well, it's free to play, right? It is. And so is fantasy star online too, which is interesting. Yeah, so for free, you're going to get eight years worth of content in this game. I'm sure there's a battle pass coming. Well, apparently, the developers have claimed the only microtransactions are cosmetic. Which is astonishing in a free-to-play game, if true. But, some games... Are there any free-to-play games that are only cosmetic? Can you think of a single one, actually? Mm,
1: Not yet. No. Yeah,
0: I'm struggling to think this of that right me, now.
1: This is interesting because this makes me think that, like it was, it's kind of like you said. There must be some type of contract this is involved with. Maybe the company that owns Fancy Star Online, whoever they are, really just wanted access to that uh, the uh, the the server farm and a way to sweeten the pot and maybe get a discount overall was to give Microsoft Fancy Star Online a MMO, a big MMO hmm. that they you know, they could, you know, hopefully make some money off or sell a service, you know, like their streaming service, for instance. And the company that owns Fancy Star Online has something bigger on the horizon that they're going to use with their access to the server from who knows? Like say Fancy Star Online three, which won't be free to play.
0: probably not Yeah, that's an astute observation that is probably the case because from you know eagle's eye view right now of this game it seems like it's an incredible value (laughs) like an incredible value it seems too good to be true and when you pair just the massive amount of content they're giving you for absolutely free in a totally unlocked version of the game and on top of that they're saying don't worry guys only microtransactions are cosmetic to me. That just screams like there's gotta be a catch. And to me, I think your theory is probably the best theory as to what the catch is. We're going to do this now for you, Microsoft, you're going to have a competitor in the MMORPG market finally, but you got to give us a deal on our next game that we want also on your Azure servers or what something to that effect.
1: Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, I haven't looked into it too much. I'm really just going off of what I heard from other people. And yeah, I mean that's really just it. That the Azure Farms are pretty sought after. Like they're some of the best in the world, apparently, for gaming. So it seems well, like Microsoft has kind of positioned themselves to be like the the leader in the future fight for um getting games to to a lot more people than you would with just selling consoles.
0: Yeah, I think Microsoft really has swung the momentum in the console race back in their favor. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, but what is that race anymore? It's a race to uh, obsolescence. I feel like very, yeah.
1: And I I would almost correct you in a way and say they didn't really improve their fight in the console war. I'd say they abandoned the console war and and started a whole new war. Sort of in the the first to throw the, the first punch, you know,
0: it's a solid point. That could be it because, you know, you do have the, the Xbox CEO saying really weird stuff like, our competitor now is Google, so that kind you gotta, of
1: lends itself to your theory quite well. Yeah, You gotta have some big fucking cojones or be super confident in what you got behind the curtain to say shit like that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure.
1: Or it just looks makes you look like a clown, which Microsoft is not immune to being, but I'm <laughs> just saying.
0: Yeah. Uh, so... So back to p s o two uh oof, the audio quality seems really suspicious. I think that it might end up being the worst part of the game, so i was I saw some gameplay videos with some boss fights and just some regular encounters, quite a bit of varied stuff, and the sound effects like all kind of coalesce at a high pitch, and it just kind of sounds like <coughs> like it just has this really weird I don't even know how to describe it, but it reminds me of like PC games from the late nineties. I don't know if you've ever played any of those, but like they had this weird phase where sound cards were changing. Sound blaster was taking over and they were doing sound effects in a weird way that made them all sound high pitched and it made them all kind of bleed into each other and sound odd.
1: Mm. A lot of cut.
0: Yeah. It, it was a weird time back then, and I feel like this game suffers from the same problem. It, it's kind of hard to explain without actually hearing it for yourself, but the music also seems kind of bad, and that really makes me sad because PSO, the original, has one of the better game soundtracks of all time. I still listen to the PSO soundtrack like a couple times a year. It's really, really good soundtrack, and the wow. music. The music I heard in PSO2 sounded god-awful for the most part, so I think an audio might be the weakness of this game, and maybe UI as well. I don't know if, no, you didn't see the UI, so the UI looks like something out of 2002. It's very, (laughs) it's very weird UI, and it looks like it's a mess. I can only imagine how bad it gets once you like start crafting or doing like secondary skills that involve like bunches of materials and shit. The way that that menu looks, it's probably just a chore to do stuff like that.
1: So that's really how this game works. It's actually an MMO RPG. Like it a is one.
0: Yeah. You can fish. There's gathering. Right. It's a, it's a real MMO. <laughs> oh, that's
1: so weird.
0: It is. <laughs> and what else is weird is the characters now all wear Gundam suits I don't know if you picked that up from the trailer you saw.
1: Yeah, well I didn't. I didn't know if those were mech suits or if they were actually
0: mechs. Yeah, so no, they're all human, well they're not humans. They're all different races that are all basically, you know, variants of humans. But your class is what determines what your Gundam suit looks like. So every class has its own Gundam suit that you put on, and it's literally just turns you into a human-sized Gundam that you fight as. It's very interesting. Hmm. Uh, the the classes do look very varied, though. I think there's five, five or six, and they all look really cool. So I think that this might be one of those games where I actually play alts. I usually don't play alts in MMOs anymore. I usually just stick to one thing. But this game looks like it might be different on that front.
1: Sure, yeah, I mean, after I watched the trailer, I'm definitely going to check it out. I didn't realize it was free to play until I watched that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was a good trailer, too. Uh, dude the bosses were
1: crazy yeah <laughs> one really of the bosses were. really re- it reminded me of uh onimusha 4 oh yeah like, <laughs> the beginning of onimusha 4 <laughs> i was like
0: whoa yeah you can tell they put all of their effort into making this game's combat and boss battles stand out because that's the impression i get that basically the 80 percent core of the game is that that's where they put all their marbles into and that's what everyone raves about too that plays it in japan and like there's a lot of info out there about this game because it's fucking old uh people rave about this game's combat and the just the gameplay in general
1: yeah, I, I still haven't seen the actual gameplay. Is it kind of like Final Fantasy fourteen or, or no. I mean, not not sorry, not Final Fantasy fourteen, but fifteen? Do you like have you just run around and kind of no. walk on? Or
0: it's it's a lot like uh, Terra mixed with Pso one. I don't know. If I'm not do familiar with Terra. Terra. No, it's it's hard to explain. Aeon. Do you play Aeon? That's another. No. Action RPG, MMORPG. Negative. Yeah. Well, it's a new genre for you then. You've never seen anything like this. It's uh, not like FF14 at all. It's. You can just Im- imagine the PSO gameplay and just imagine mixing it kind of with Guilty Gear. I guess is the best way I can describe it to you because it's much faster, much more fluid. You like jump and fly and shit. So it's just really. It's just a really crazy, frantic, action gameplay style for an MMO. Huh. And I don't really like a lot of action MMORPGs either, so when I first heard that that's what this was, I was skeptical a little bit. But then you know I thought, okay, I like PSO enough where I gotta at least give it a shot. And then when I actually looked at the videos, that's when I realized, like, oh... These guys perfected this shit. The reason I didn't like these other ones is because they weren't like this. They were all weird and clunky and slow, and you could you could see just from watching it like that. And in those gameplay videos I saw, f- gameplay is not what I'm concerned with at all in this game. I have a feeling the gameplay is going to be perfect, but well, game- it's
1: going. It's been going for eight years. I mean, yeah, something's yeah, it's going right, right.
0: Yep, but you know you're going to have to sacrifice graphics and definitely audio quality. And uh, probably a storyline. I I have just this weird feeling the storyline is going to be very bare bones, but I hope I'm wrong about that.
1: Hopefully they have a good skip method button.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I miss Sega games. This game is very much a Sega game. That's one thing that just stands out when you see it in action, all the way down to the shitty interface, too. Even the shitty interface, you're like, yep, this looks like something you see on a Sega game.
1: Yeah, dude, Sega was the diabolic scientist, master evil villains of gaming back in the day, man. Remember Sega Gaming Channel? Sega Dreamcast? They were you know, like artifacts of the gaming industry. You can't They were like lightning too fierce to capture in a bottle. Technology that ancient civilization made that died and You could never figure out how it it worked. So it just died in time.
0: Yeah, Sega getting ousted is sort of like the Ned Stark getting killed in Season 1. Spoiler alert of Game (laughs) of Thrones. (laughs) It feels kind of the same way. It's like, why? Why would you take Sega from us?
1: Uh... I think they really just stopped doing things. Kind of like Rare, the company. They just stopped being who they were they were supposed to be i guess
0: i <laughs> see i disagree with that completely because the last console they made was their best console the dreamcast was the best sega console
1: well that was when they were making hardware because they still stuck well yeah, yeah. Well, that's as what i mean software
0: company. i'm talking about sega yeah. as a hardware and software company when pso yeah. came out that's what they were still For and sure. it came through when you played the original pso because of how well it performed you could tell that the people that made that game They worked on the console. Like, these were not teams that weren't close to each other. Because they got every ounce out of that Dreamcast. I think you had to,
1: to be honest. Yeah. That thing was revolutionary. I'm sure it was a nightmare to code on. You had to be pretty (laughs) close to the fucking... The hardware engineers (laughs) to make shit
0: work. Yeah. Alright, well, uh... I mean, are, are you in? Are you in on this game? Broadcaster Nichols, are you in on PSO2? I demand an answer right now.
1: Fat Cat Nichols gives it one and a half thumbs up. I will definitely <laughs> download it and install it on my hard drive and give it a half an hour of my time. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I'm definitely going to try it out. The the trailer alone made me interested. I didn't realize it was going to be an actual MMO, but now that you're telling me it has more of a uh, action adventure type combat, I'm I'm interested because I saw that there were swords in the trailer. So combined with the the gameplay you're telling me, swords that's, that's that sounds pretty dope.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited for this game, and going to be playing the fuck out of it, and hopefully you will be to Broadcaster Nichols. I do not believe we will review this game ever, because reviewing an MMORPG is kind of an interesting task. I don't know, maybe maybe we will if if uh, you decide to actually play it all the way through all the, the tiers of content, but... I would want to judge the game completely, and being complete would be playing like a shitload of content, so we'll see. And we're back with our review of Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. As with all of our reviews here at the Crack Cellar, there are lots and lots of spoilers coming at you, so if you haven't seen this movie yet, you should probably pause right now Go watch it and come back to us later. That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, what is your favorite Kevin Smith movie? Ooh.
1: You know, it definitely is not Tusk. <laughs> um, let's really? uh, You know, I actually went and saw that in theaters.
0: Oh, you pulled out,
1: out of all the Kevin Smith movies I've. Never gone to go actually see in theaters. Wow. I picked chose, that one. You chose was,
0: Tusk.
1: Yep. Yeah, it was Damn. bad. But anyways, I think my favorite is between Dogma and probably Dogma and Strikes Back. Hmm. Those two are just super funny.
0: Yeah. Dogma was definitely a really good one. But... Mine is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. What are your general thoughts on this movie?
1: It's hard. I don't want to like say it's a little too woke because it, like, it rides this boundary for me. In the beginning, it was bad. Like, just right off the bat. I think the first 15 to 20 minutes of the movie really set this bad precedent for me. But then it's it slowly recovered in the form of using old references and things like that, just, and it was just good comedy in general for a little bit. Then they started to, I don't want to give it away too much, but started to use these certain, uh, how I'd say consistent elements throughout the, uh, 2018, 19s and now 2020. Uh, but they, then started to make fun of it a little bit Mm. in the end and i it it kind of made it confused me i was just like i don't know if these guys are being woke right now or if they're like cleverly just walking the line and making everyone confused
0: (laughs) no i think i think everyone's confused because kevin smith was confused when he wrote this movie and I I say this with such a heavy heart, but I don't see why this movie should even exist. This is one of those movies where after watching it, you wonder, did you just need the money? Are you hard up for money? Uh, What is this? Because I doubt that. You just shit on one of the greatest comedy movies of all time by doing a weird fourth wall breaking... I don't even want to call it a film. It's not a film. It's like a fourth wall breaking... Mockumentary that's larping as Jay and Silent Bob.
1: Yeah, it was weird. It felt like I was on this like uh, this ride on rails at a theme park. That was all that universe. You mm-hmm. know, like, I go slowly, just getting taken past all these iconic characters and like locations, and they were all just really corny, like corporate corny. Yes, you know? like. <laughs> I'm a corporate person wearing a suit. Who oh, look at me? <laughs> it just seemed really played out and, and sad for the most part. Like very sad. Like there was there was and there was a couple moments in the movie where I was I was genu- genuinely surprised at them being funny. Mm-hmm. And they, I, they came out of nowhere, but so some one of the writers over there had a heart. <laughs> he wanted well, to try to make something out of the fucking movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's still Kevin Smith, and it's still the same character, so you're going to have some funny parts no matter what. And there were definitely a few parts I laughed at in this movie. I wasn't, like, stone cold in pain the entire time. But the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is one of the greatest comedies of all time. It's a cult comedy masterpiece, so to speak. It isn't really – it's not high art comedy, but anyone that was a teenager – when that movie came out, we'll basically tell you it's the funniest movie they ever saw. I almost choked laughing the first time I saw the Click Commander scene. Like, I literally almost died, I think, from laughing so hard at that. And this movie has nothing like that. There is not a single part. And the sad thing is, is they try so many times in this movie. They reach for one of those moments. And it's just, it's like fucking uh, Shaq just stuffing a fourth grader trying to put a shot up in the key. You know, it's just like, no, none of it's not even, it's not even coming close to landing. It's not even getting in the air to land. And it's sad. (laughs) And one of the things is in the, in the beginning of this movie, it starts out really bad. The first scene is super cringy with the Chappelle show guy. Uh, I always forget Donnell Rollins. Yeah. Donnell Rollins. That was one of the least funny scenes I've ever seen that guy in. And that whole thing was just – should have been cut. The next scene, though, with the lawyer, Justin Long, your your boy from Tusk, that I think was one of the funnier yeah, scenes was. in the entire movie. It was. And it was mainly because of Justin Long. Yeah. That, that guy delivered – and this is really funny because there are so many big-name actor. We're going to go into this more, but let's just say on a on a fucking broad level, this is a cameo movie every fucking scene in this movie is another cameo. And Justin long delivered one of the only solid acting performances in this entire goddamn movie. And for that, Justin long, he gets my MVP and he's only in the movie for five minutes. (laughs) So that kind of tells you where we're at. There
1: were, there were some good moments though. I will say like, um, what was it when, um, W- without giving away too much, there's a reference to Glen Gary, Glenn Ross in the movie, and fuck it, I-, I thought it was Kevin Smith's best moment in the movie. To be honest, <laughs> I want to yeah. say who he was giving it to, but it was a uh, it was a solid performance. <laughs> and it, uh, what was it, uh, uh f- Fred? Oh God, what's his name? Fred Armisen from mm-hmm. Portlandia. <laughs> He knocked it out of the park too.
0: His character was awesome. He, yeah, he's good too. He's probably he's probably my number two right behind Justin Long. But again, this guy was in the movie for about five minutes. No, he came back. Remember? Okay, ten <laughs> minutes. You're right. Two two sets of five minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, Sit on a bald dick. Who wrote that? Was that you? <laughs> but in the court the courtroom scene, it kind of starts the wokeness, and it. it really gets you right off of the rails early on when the judge who's the black guy from the office, uh, the guy who was the dude from the, I think maybe it's Craig
1: Robinson. He, I'm was, not quite he, sure.
0: he was one of the laborers that worked down in shipping or whatever, who like, you know, the grunts, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he eventually became a main character on the office later on. But early on, he was just like a very, or far into orbit, side character. This guy is the judge, and he delivers one of the worst wannabe woke lines I've ever heard. He tells fucking Jay to—he tells his mouth to take a knee—and is horrible line. Doesn't even make sense. Delivered well. poorly, and. It, even people that like that sort of shit are not going to like that. That was just a horrible, horrible line. And it just kind of gives you this intro into some of the the shit you're going to see throughout this movie. Because this movie has a real problem with bad acting. There is a lot of really poor acting in this movie. And surprisingly, wow. some of it comes from Jason Mewes. Jay Happy himself. Is-
1: well, he has I was about to say how half the people in this movie haven't acted since the last time you saw him
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right about that so and jamie uh jason Mewes, he he forgot how to act he well, is dude not he's good been in this addicted movie. dude
1: he's he's gone through like addiction like crazy, you well, can tell dude you
0: can tell and they made
1: fun <laughs> of it, like fucking Kevin Smith's daughter, the blonde one that ironically plays Jason Mewes' daughter in the movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is like calls the meth heads in the beginning. Was, yeah. I thought that was really funny in a metal way. That,
0: that was actually one of the funnier. Yeah, so there are definitely some little funny spots in this movie. But another thing with Jason Mewes is his fucking teeth are distracting. He has like fake yeah. teeth on the top, and they're like the wrong height. So your eye just every once in a while catches it, and you're just, it like fucks with your head, and it well was it's, really it's his lip.
1: His lip has, like, been methed out. It's, like, stretched out, and it's covering most of his teeth. That's what it is. I think it is, to be honest.
0: No, his his teeth, his front middle teeth are definitely at the wrong height for the rest of his real teeth. Or if they're real teeth. I don't know. He might have no teeth. I don't know what's going on oh, no. in my mouth. Those
1: are, those are definitely fake teeth. Uh,
0: well, I know the top middle is because it was very, very obvious. and It looked like dentures almost, like really bad dentures. And it, it was... Super distracting the whole movie. I could, every time he was talking, that's all I could see.
1: Don't hate us, Jason Muse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but back to the, back to what I was going at when I was describing the, the beginning of this movie. What I was trying to get to was the comic book scene that came, the comic book store scene that came right after the courtroom scene. So this is where this movie gave me hope. And the comic book owner, is giving this speech about what reboots and remakes are and he does <laughs> one of the greatest things i've ever heard anyone do on hollywood regarding this topic he says describe it what's the movie i'm describing And he describes to a t star wars a new hope the original star wars and then they they answer star wars and he says no force awakens this line was fucking amazing, stunningly good, and it is a wonder that you can have lines that good in this movie, but then the other 80, per, 80 plus percent just be hot garbage.
1: Yeah, it, and that's kind of like what I was saying earlier. This movie kind of borderlines on making fun of itself in a weird way, and almost making fun of just the what the movie stands for, like reboots and remakes, like. I don't know that actor's name. I don't even know the character's name, to be honest. But the, the comic shop owner. It's yeah, like when uh, you know, spoiler alert: Ben Affleck makes his appearance. That fuck. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but when he talks about him being Bruce Wayne, and then figuring out he's actually Thomas Wayne, and like that, like in the like the analogy coming together with chasing Amy and his daughter being named Amy and having a co-op parenthood with her and shit. Like it was just, it all was like really sad and symbolic in a way. I was just like, <laughs> wow. I was like, did they really just do that? Like did Ben Affleck really agree to pretty much just like make a joke out of his real life? Cause that's what happened.
0: <laughs> that's literally what he just mm. went through. Yeah. And that scene you're talking about, In a movie that I do not look too fondly on, that was one of my least favorite scenes in the entire movie. Oh, my God, was that – that scene – was a fucking, it was like going to the dentist, that scene. <laughs> the, the chick that played Amy, for one thing, looks like a monster now. She got shit tons of plastic surgery. She looks like a monster and she can't act. <laughs> she can't act a fucking lick, dude. Her, I couldn't believe it. She, she's one of those people you're talking about that has not acted since the last time she was, probably when she was in chasing Amy. And then, that's good enough. Okay, whatever. But then you got Ben Affleck, who is an active actor that's in a shitload of movies. He's, he is warmed up. And his fucking lines were horrible. That whole monologue was depressing and weird. Didn't fit in the movie. And holy shit, why was that not cut? That whole scene should have been cut. The only I can tell you right now why it wasn't cut. Because he's Ben fucking Affleck.
1: Well, yeah, and he has one of those characters everyone is expecting to come back.
0: Well, they all are, dude. Every single Kevin Smith movie is represented in this movie. He brought oh, for at sure. least one person from every... So he brought the entire original cast of clerks for that one yeah. scene where they go black and white. Yeah. Which was, was actually a good... That was one of the parts of the movie I did. I was make.
1: about to say, I was like, don't make fun of that. That was actually
0: pretty good. <laughs> no, that that was cool. The way that they like... That was probably the best acting that Jason did, Muse did the entire movie too when they like freaked out because they're black and white. That was pretty good, but... Yeah, it, it's just a series of cameos. He brought every single person has ever acted in one of his movies that's still alive in this movie. It's fucking incredible. But not in a good way. And that Ben Affleck scene really fucking shows you, like in a microcosm, just that one scene, exactly what's wrong with this movie. And it's that it has no fucking idea what it is. It's It plays more like a mockumentary than a comedy sequel.
1: yeah. I think that was kind of what they were trying to go for. To be honest, I think that's what they were hoping was going to be their uh, internet shield, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, because personally, when it comes to these things, I wish they just were never made. When I when I hear there's going to be a new Jay and Silent Bob in this day and age, I'm just like, no, please don't, because that type of comedy is just dead to me. It's mm-hmm. just, it's never going to be genuine anymore. People are, if it is, people are going to freak out and it's going to get canceled before I can even see it, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I just, when I see that or hear about that shit, it's like, just stop. Yeah. Please.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's I, the only thing I can really think of with this movie is that they were afraid to make a new Jane Silent Bob movie because they know in woke 2020 it's not going to fly and Kevin Smith is in those left-wing circles so oh, he's friends sure. with those people that are not going to like him for it so what do they do they make a space balls like version of Jane Silent Bob where they're making fun of themselves essentially throughout yeah. the entire movie <laughs> and they they can't even decide what it is either. Like in this whole reboot remake thing is a perfect example. They name the movie, uh, reboot. Then they talk about the differences between remake and reboot. And then you, you go through this movie with varying degrees of, well, this is why reboots suck. Well, actually reboots are good. And it goes back and forth several times, almost like the, the movie, they don't actually want you to have an opinion on it. It's almost like they're trying to just be like, well, Whatever. You know, movie's a movie. Like, they're almost trying to brainwash you with just the mixed signals they send. And that Star Wars line in the beginning is what starts it off. You feel like this movie is going to be like a sort of an opposition piece to the way Hollywood is churning out these remakes constantly. And especially with the way, like, after he's talking shit about all the remakes and they bring up Marvel, he's like, Oh, no, you don't dare talk about Marvel. I live on Marvel. I jerk off to Marvel they were going after it. They were going, I thought they were going after these fuckers. And then the whole rest of the movie, it's fucking, they might as well be coddling the balls of Harvey Weinstein.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It might be just a war of minds in the writing department. Who knows? Mm. Or maybe it was really just them really being on the same track. They're just like, well, let's just put just barely enough things in there. To keep people from stop, or keep people from complaining, essentially, mm-hmm. and I think it's exact. That's exactly what their motivation was, and it just made it seem super awkward in the end. Like out of all the references in that movie, which all came off almost, almost all of them came off super cringy. Where it was the Method Man and Red Man reference, I almost had a little bit of a tear in my eye yeah. when that happened because that is one that is like a movie from my childhood. And it introduced me to so many types of culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> different aspects of culture in my young childhood. And for the, sure. just seeing them play that line over, like it almost jumped to the movie. It was super cool. It was like watching that scene play out in the backseat as a ghost. Just for a second when he's like, mm-hmm. you got any weed? You got any, pl- you got any papers? I was just like, oh
0: my god. Yeah, yeah, and I'm usually not a fan of, like, retconning your own universe, and that's sort of what they're doing by making them fans of How High in this movie, because Jay and Silent Bob came out, I think, the, the same time, right? Or before Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Correct me if I'm wrong here, wasn't How High before Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back?
1: Yes, I'm pretty damn, i pretty damn sure because I remember having uh, how high on VHS and Jane and Silent Bob, at least the first one, maybe. Are what you talking about Strikes Back? You're talking about the first Jane Silent Bob.
0: I, I was talking Michael about right? Strikes Back. Is there a first Jane Silent Bob? Well, Jay and Silent Bob were in like almost all of their movies. So all of them are Jay and Silent Bob. Almost, yeah. All these movies are, you could almost well, call them the same movie. Like you could really just say Kevin Smith show, movie no, one, I, movie two, movie three.
1: Like, what was the one they really debuted in, though? Mallrats. rats. They were the Mall rats, weren't they? I mean, that's kind of what. Yeah, yeah, they were in Mallrats. rats. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of uh, what I consider Jay and Silent Bob one, I guess. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, obviously, the, where they really come from is clerks. That's yeah. where they date They were
1: background characters and clerks though. They were, yeah, yeah, but
0: they were yeah. But uh Yeah, so man, this this movie <laughs> So so we're establishing that they're making fun of reboots and remakes, but it's a reboot itself reboot itself. So <laughs> you got you got this weird like space balls effect going on. It almost seems like it's intentional sometimes, not intentional others, but they make it a point to make the plot the exact same as Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. It's literally the exact same plot. You can replace the The hot chick Diamond Thieves with uh, Jay's daughter and her woke friends. Same thing. Same outcome in the end. Like, it's all, like, it's sad how exactly same it all is. And you can just replace the film studio in Hollywood and James Seinbaum's Strike Back with the convention at the end of this movie. But the difference is, is the convention sucked. (laughs) Most of the worst parts of this movie are in that last chunk. Including that fucking horrendous Batflex scene where he had to fucking lecture us all about, oh, you're going to miss me now that I'm not Batman anymore. No, no one gives a fuck, Ben Affleck. We didn't nah, want you.
1: I mean, nothing was worse to me than the very last scene. Which are not sorry, not the very last one, but the very last scenes was mm-hmm. with that Asian chick that ended up being mm-hmm. a Russian agent. Oh, yeah, that made me cringe yes. so bad.
0: Yes, and we'll talk about that later. Let's save that for a little bit I, because I am a total agreement with you and I. Jesus fucking Christ. But let's, I want to focus on the good at first because (laughs) before we just start skewering this thing. Is that what we were doing? (laughs) Focusing on the good? Uh, no. Well, okay. So I think the best part of this movie are the cameo scenes that have nothing to do with the movie. Now there, there are two different types of cameo scenes in this movie. There are the ones that are just standalone that have absolutely nothing to do with anything that they just threw in randomly. And what I'm mainly talking about here is Matt Damon. The Matt Damon scene is so fucking good. I laughed harder at that than I laughed at anything in the entire rest of the movie. And uh, then Method and Redman. Uh, the shit that yeah. has nothing to do with the movie itself, like the plot.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'm- Isn't that sad? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, the Glengarry Glenn Ross scene was genuinely pretty funny to me. Because I'm a huge fan of that movie. And soon as he started... <laughs> It's just like this slow realization of what he was doing. I was like, is he doing Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? <laughs> oh shit.
0: Yeah. yeah
1: they would, they, those were definitely the best appearances. No doubt.
0: Yeah. And uh, man, I, I can't really think of much else positive with this movie. So before we move on, broadcaster Nichols, do you have any positive things you would like to call out in this movie? Um,
1: no. <laughs> no, not really.
0: Oh, man! Oh, no.
1: No, 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 no. I do have one. Another positive thing. The fact that uh, what's her name? Uh, Jay's wife, or sorry the uh, baby's mama <laughs> you mean Nadia from American Pie? yeah Nadia from American <laughs> and uh, Rosio Dawson oh yeah Mario Dawson the fact that they were a couple oh I kinda, know that kind of got me swelling up in my pants I was like oh shit
0: <laughs> that, that was like the best possible outcome when that door opened you're just like Oh,
1: so there's another positive. <laughs> yes, but uh,
0: I can't think of anything else. Yeah, and I don't think the creators of the movie actually wanted you to think it was a positive in the way that you think it's a positive. So.
1: <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs>
0: uh, so. So, all right. So from here on out, after the comic book scene, it becomes Jane Silent Bob Strike back again. And they do all the same type of travel. Oh, we're going to travel. Here's a meme here, a travel comedy scene here, blah, blah, blah. Problem is it all sucks. The scene with Molly Shannon in the airport was fucking stupid. It was so cringy. And the way that fucking Kevin Smith wrote it to get in like his little, Hey guys, look at me. I'm skinny now. Ha ha. Isn't that funny? Was one of the most master. And this one thing I'm going to say a lot in this review is masturbatory writing. There is a lot of it in this movie. And this is one of those examples. Not even a bad one either. There's way worse examples. But this is one of them where he specifically wrote this scene just so he could get something in there to kind of be like, hey guys, Kevin Smith's skinny now. He's he's in good shape. He's a vegan. You know, he's on that vegan diet. And I wanted to kill myself watching that scene.
1: Speaking of veganism, it was very heavy handed in the in the movie. The message yes. was everywhere.
0: Oh yeah. There were multiple yeah, multiple things. The drive-thru was the worst one. Where... It almost
1: made my head spin in the van when I saw like <sighs> all those cultures at the in the back. Uh-huh. And they were all like, We're vegan. I was like, Oh <laughs> my head's spinning, spinning with wokeness.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in this really this is where Okay, so I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Let me go back. So after the airport scene, we have a scene with Fred Armisen where part one with him, where we discover the. Oh God. The, the tater tots. The, the, <laughs> the ha- hater tots. The hater tots. So this scene is the bad scene with him. So the one that comes later is really genuinely funny and great. But this first one is super cringy. He tells the guys. Jay and Silent Bob, his story, his backstory about tater tots and why he cooks them in his fucking car. And it is one of the most dumb, concocted bullshit things I've ever heard of in my life. And it ends with, oh, but then we found out the white nationalists love tater tots, so I had to stop. And holy fucking shit was that cringy. What the fuck did you just need to say that the word white nationalist in the movie was that just like a a, a bet you made with someone in a bar that you put it in or something like what the fuck was that It was
1: just a movie checking off one of the boxes in the long list of uh, SJW tactics for Hollywood culture and movies
0: Jesus Christ man it it broke my heart It broke my heart watching this movie because there are so many scenes where they're just stepping on the legacy of Jay and Silent Bob being fucking anti-heroes. They're politically incorrect anti-heroes and they're fucking, I'm not going to call them woke because they're not. They're specifically like they used to, well, Jay is like he used to be, Silent Bob is not. And that's another problem I have with this movie is his overacting with facial expressions He decided, I don't know who got this in his head, but he decided that he was too in the background previously, even though that was the whole basis of the fucking character. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to steal the show this time by making cartoonish facial expressions constantly to the point where you just want to punch him in the face.
1: Yeah. The, the texting thing too, where he like text, you could, he implied that he was doing like 80 commands on the phone and oh, then you just God. turn it around and it was an emoji I'm just, oh just, just,
0: just, just, i know just, more God. cringy emoji humor because we didn't get enough of that in that always sunny episode that was like the only stinker of the season we really just need emoji humor guys that's, that's what all the kids word. love
1: fucking Christ. kills me
0: it's so, it's so it was so bad the emoji stuff was really fucking bad every time it happened i'm just like why are you doing this and it, the whole like you said the, the 80 commands and then it's that one fucking thing okay you did that once whatever it was a dumb joke but you did it they did it like two more times right or three more times i forget but they did it, oh, a, bunch was, did it a bunch more times
1: They did a bunch more times kevin smith and oh. then they did it with a uh, val kilmer playing uh blunt man
0: yeah yeah <sighs> So, OK, so at this point, you know, he sees the commercial of fucking Nadia on TV. And he's like, I'm going to go bang Nadia again. And he tracks her down all very loosey goosey with the way this all happens. It seems very convenient and it seems like not a lot of distance is traveled and, you know, yada, yada, whatever. From this point on, this movie is essentially the exact same movie as Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back.
1: But with the way well, they make fun of it.
0: Yeah. It, it just becomes woke, making fun of the old guys. So what happens in this movie is Jay and Silent Bob become punching bags. They become straight white male, cis white male. You know, that's who they're playing at this point. And the whole rest of the movie is just coming down on them constantly. And mostly in the form of Kevin Smith's daughter who plays Jay's daughter in the movie. Which, by the way, is super weird and I know you want to get your daughter in this fucking movie, but she's not a good actress. And I've seen her in three things now and she's bad in all of it. Why did you need to, why did you need to do this? Why couldn't you just have her in the yoga hosers, yoga hosers Two, some other shit? Why did you have to put her in your most classic movie in a pivotal role and do it in a way where you're totally breaking the fourth wall because you know, it's his daughter. And she's playing his friend's daughter. It's just fucking like, what the fuck? It's stupid. It's distracting. It's dumb. And by the way, fucking Jason Muse and Kevin Smith's daughter have a very weird chemistry, don't you think? Did you notice that at all? The the looks that they gave each other early on, especially.
1: Uh, no, I don't know. I, well, I really did,
0: I did, <laughs> and I suspect God, Jason Mewes has been fucking Kevin Smith's daughter. Oh, God. Probably fucked her on set for this movie. You heard it here on the crack cellar. Yeah, yeah, that's our yeah. crack cellar moment of the day here. Uh, I swear to God, I saw some shit. And I'm just like, their chemistry seems a little weird. It doesn't seem like daddy daughter chemistry. It seems like a little <laughs> different. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Who really cares? But the movie sucks. And so I'm going to harp on things like that. Now, back to another reason why I hate this movie. Kevin Smith, in the most weird move of all time, inserted himself, playing himself, as the villain of the fucking movie. Yes, you just heard that correct. That was not a Starbucks order for coffee. That was how I described Kevin Smith writing the villain role of this movie. It's retarded, and it is transparent. He wants to talk. He is sick of not having any lines in his own movie, his best movie, the one everyone likes for the most part. I mean, like you said, you like Dogma. I like Dogma, too. Clerks is good. Clerks 2 was good. He has some good movies. But Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is just like this fucking classic. And you could just tell that he did everything he possibly could to give himself avenues to speak in this movie when he never did in the past. So, when he first introduces himself as basically the villain of this movie, I say, okay, dumb, but if this is how he can trick the system, so to speak, so that he can keep the purity of Silent Bob intact while also having lines in the movie as a different character, okay, I don't like it, but I accept it. But then, later on, and this is one of the worst scenes in the entire fucking movie, we get to the fucking KKK scene. And this scene is retarded. So I guess we have to go back a little bit. Fred Armisen shows up again on top of their van in the drive thru uh, after they <laughs> order just their one of vegan his best meals scenes. and just starts throwing tater tots at him and calling him hater tots. Ha, that, that rant was, was awesome. That was legitimately funny. One of the funniest parts of the entire movie. After that passes, uh, the girl, who, by the way, apparently we're supposed to believe uh, Jason Mews on-screen daughter is a fucking ninja trained by shinobis in Japan because she, in this entire movie, is essentially a super soldier. Uh, So so she appears like a fucking ghost behind this guy on top of the van without making any noise or movements, like does a little weird neck move and like knocks him out or whatever. He falls to the ground and they steal the fucking van and they ditch uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Now, At this point, I was really angry at this movie because why in the fuck is it even an idea in your writer's room that you're going to make it that his daughter that is doing this whole thing to go to Chronic Con to see Jay and Silent Bob, a.k.a. Blunt Man and Chronic, because they're super fans and they're trying to bring their fucking Asian friend for her farewell, whatever, because she's such a huge fan. Everyone's such a huge fan. Then how the fuck did you not notice that you were with them the whole fucking movie? Are you kidding me? It is so outrageous. You cannot undersell how fourth wall breaking this movie is in the weirdest ways. And this is one of them. You're expected to believe that they have no inkling that these two are the guys. Even though they dress just like them, they look just like them. No fucking questions about it, super fans? (laughs) I never even thought about that. <laughs> that me makes me, me kind fu- of feel stupid, to be give honest. Give me a <laughs> I didn't fucking think break. About that. So, okay, so at this point they leave, they ditch him, and at this point, if you were Blunt Man and Chronic, you're like, "Fuck these bitches, we're out, we're going." But no, they go after him and they find him at a fucking KKK rally that's just out in the middle of a fucking construction site in L.A. Because you know there's so many of those out there. And the dumbest scene in the world, the only reason this scene was invented was A, to establish that they get back together after they got ditched, and to B, give Silent Bob his fucking speaking role. So Silent Bob, no, there's no purity, that wasn't a trick, the Kevin Smith villain role was not a trick to keep his purity, fuck no, because... He talks a lot in this movie. And it starts here with his little monologue tricking the fucking dumb KKK guys that he's their boss or something. It's ridiculous. They it's not going to work. That's real. It's not real. You're not going to have these fucking if these are real KK guys, you can't just show up looking like Silent Bob and just start barking orders and they're just going to listen to you and not attack you. Horseshit. And then the fucking scene ends with him telling him to duck. Why duck? And then the fucking van comes and it fucking spews shit from a porta potty all over them. <laughs> this scene was unnecessary. It was stupid. It was disgusting. And the only reason it was really put in was to appease Kevin Smith's woke friends in Hollywood. This was a fucking orange man bad masturbatory scene
1: yeah for sure in the beginning of the movie when uh, fred Armisen's character was talking about the hater tots and he he said white nationalists like it was it genuinely was still kind of funny to me because uh, it was so like out of nowhere i was like i hope that's not like foreshadowing for some more intense humor in that fashion and then it came to the kkk scene and i was like oh my god this is like they're actually going out of the way to have these elements in their movie like who are you talking to right yep. now your audience does not enjoy this shit yeah yeah it's so I stupid know. i still thought the glengarry thing was funny
0: <laughs> uh yeah so at that point they're back together again and, and there's some bullshit scenes and they get to the the comic book convention chronic con where oh my god where they get there and she makes the statement oh Everyone's dressed like you guys. Oh no shit, Sherlock. And at that point, she still doesn't even fucking get it. I wanted to punch my goddamn television. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they didn't get attacked in the convention center. It's
1: like it's like all of them are like I I they're worshipping their idols, and it's like their idols walk right past them and no one fucking recognizes it.
0: Yeah. Oh my God! So this, where to start with this fucking <laughs> this debacle, which is the end of the movie that takes place at this comic book convention. At this point, the movie becomes a rotation of cameos. I mean, it, it almost always was, but you know, there was a, a stretch in the middle where it became Jane, Silent Bob, actual reboot, where it, with the girls and didn't like any of that shit either. But then you get to this. And you have a couple cool cameos, and then just a whole whole bunch of bad ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, the movie probably is at its worst at this point. It it, it drastically goes down a fucking hill.
0: <laughs> a, a hill. I feel like that's really generous. I think it's a an indented inward cliff with spikes at the bottom. So.
1: Yeah, the spikes being that fucking Asian girl.
0: <laughs> yes. So, so first off, we have this thing where they're gonna go be extras in this, this fucking movie that's in the movie, and they go to the thing and you see a clip of this movie and by the way, we're glossing over a whole bunch of like pointless crap that happens, but we don't really need to talk about it. It's all fucking drivel. It's little cameos from fucking characters that you maybe might remember from some obscure Kevin Smith movie. It's like, whatever we talked about the, the one that you think of the most the Ben Affleck one, they were all bad except for the, the original clerks one, I think. Would you agree with that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we're in, we're looking at this video and it's, a chick that looks like she's supposed to be Captain Marvel playing Chronic, uh, which is Jay's character in this fake movie in the movie. And then you have
1: <laughs> Ironically, I'm pretty sure that's the actress that's playing Supergirl. Oh, God. on the W on the CW.
0: <laughs> I have no idea. I don't watch that. But then you have Val Kilmer playing Blunt Man, and he doesn't even talk, which is I guess because Blunt Man doesn't talk because it's Silent Bob, but at the same time, it's just like, you yeah, got Val Kilmer and he's not gonna he's gonna sit there and have like creepy looks on his face <laughs> See, it's just really weird and then and then fucking Cheech shows up and just like starts like doing philosophical fucking <laughs> that was <pretty> speeches funny. <laughs> and at this point it's like breaking back to the crowd and the people are like this is the greatest movie of all time and I'm just in here like dude this wouldn't even be the greatest schlock on the sci-fi channel on an original movie circa 2004 okay <laughs> shut the f- fuck up with the best movie of all time (laughs) oh my god but yeah so uh so kevin smith is talking up a storm so many lines for himself he wrote lots of little witty jokes you can tell that he spent a lot of time on his lines and not a not nearly as much on others and uh this whole little thing where fucking ninja daughter is gonna go abduct kevin smith and replace him with Kevin Smith, but Silent Bob, and then bring the Asian on stage, who then proceeds to tell us that she's not an Asian, she's a Russian, <laughs> even though she's clearly an Asian actress and not a Russian, <laughs> is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Then all of the extras they brought in for the actual movie itself by Kevin Smith ended up being her soldiers? What? It was, it was the dumbest writing you're talking
1: about the the cock knocker soldiers yes yes
0: like so wait a second kevin smith so you accidentally hired her soldiers as your real extras that you were using because he wasn't surprised when he saw them or are we supposed to believe that they just like knocked out the real ones and stole their suits like what i mean
1: whatever that all could happen i'm thinking that's all more believable than the fact that girl traveled with Kevin Smith's daughter and other friends. Mhm. It's just weird. Like why did you have to do all that? Your plan was to break into this convention and that was your entry point was traveling from another state with a group of little girls. <laughs>
0: yeah, it made it made absolutely no sense. It was this movie has some of the worst writing that Kevin Smith has ever done in his career.
1: He's kind of been out of touch for a long time. And that whole movie felt out of touch. I guess if you could sum it up, that's what I would say. An out of touch movie. <laughs> Rest and Pepperonis, Jane Silent Bob.
0: That's what it feels like. So, so the, so the ending. We're, j- so okay one of jay's clear in the beginning one of his clear motivations he wants to stop this movie because his character gets gender swapped into the captain marvel lookalike character or whatever and so we get to the very end of this movie and his attitude completely changes randomly and he's just like yay girl power i'm glad they gender swapped me and that was like his big revelation at the end of the fucking movie well he got a daughter Exactly. I think that's, yeah. It was, was raw woman power. That's <laughs> what it was. And it's just like, dude, that's not Jay. Fucking
1: heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, the whole movie was fucking heartbreaking.
0: <laughs> yeah. Essentially, it was a pointless sequel that tries to hide his pointlessness with a milquetoast commentary on Hollywood's obsession with reboots. It's yeah. ridiculous. And then they end it with a Russian scene. Really? We've infiltrated your pop culture and your your elections. What are you fucking talking about? Get the fuck
1: out of here. Yeah, my eyes rolled into the back of my fucking head when that scene happened. I couldn't believe it. Uh, yeah. It's like, why? After everything, you, this is how you want to go out?
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs> and, and then, like, fucking, it, during all this crap happening, fucking Silent Bob gets thrown out into like Iron Man factory. Like they literally throw him out the convention and he lands and he looks up and there's an Iron Man factory next to him with three (laughs) Iron Man suits. So he just walks in there, gets himself an Iron Man suit and comes back and he kills all the Russians. So the ending of this movie is Silent Bob finding a random Iron Man suit, getting in it. punching Nazis. And then punching Nazis with his Iron Man suit. The end. Fucking what a wonderful movie. The acting was... Almost universally shit, but except for what we've already mentioned, like there's a couple characters that acted well—Justin Long and Fred Armisen. All of the the main characters, like the actual people associated with this franchise, sucked in it. Almost like they—it's almost like they knew the movie was gonna suck, so they just didn't even try.
1: It was almost like they
0: weren't actually the people. Remember, just puppets on strings. And then back briefly to that KKK scene. I think there are more fake Nazis in Hollywood productions than there are real Nazis in the entire world in real life <laughs> for sure. Can you believe that? It's insane. <sighs> yeah.
1: I think the the last person to actually use that type of humor correctly was Quentin Tarantino.
0: Mhm. Yeah,
1: in in Django.
0: <laughs> yep. He nailed it. He did nail it. I was
1: like, you no know one every time. Every time I've seen it since that, it's just so heavy-handed and clearly comes with an agenda behind it. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. I realized I was watching a movie about the director's feelings.
0: <laughs> so, so back to the back to the convention uh, briefly. uh Did you notice in the beginning? The beginning, it shows like a uh, like a splash of different scenes, like oh, they're goers of the the carnival or whatever, and it shows like a trans guy and a drag queen and some furries and shit. Yeah, it's like they're trying to like shove in your face, we're woke guys, you know, we're on your team. Please love us. It's so cringy and desperate. I couldn't believe it. I, this whole convention, it's like on one hand, okay pop culture conventions in real life are like that now. They do have all these fucking crazy people there. But there's also 90% normal people too. And you chose to only show these people in that little thing. And it's just like fuck, dude, and then you get into it a little bit, and there's this dumb throwaway scene with a vendor, where he's like, hey guys, wanna see my LGBTQAPROFMF fucking G++++ shirt of Jay and Silent <laughs> Bob making out? And then that was just,
1: one of those scenes where like, it was so bad, and then when he showed the t-shirt, I, I couldn't tell if he was trying to make fun of that shit, or if he was being serious like was I this a scene of appreciation or was this a scene of like no clowning
0: i i don't i think they're trying to be serious with it and i think it was pure God. i think it was pure movie cancer and it needs to be killed with fire that scene that was a fucking abomination uh, i uh,
1: suspected most of this movie was cancer <laughs>
0: In one, you know, just to give a little positive at the end here, one positive thing from that convention was the Jason Biggs and uh, Vanderbeek scene.
1: (laughs) That was funny.
0: That, That one was, I forgot about that till just now. That was legitimately funny because I think Jason Biggs. It almost felt like he was actually talking about the movie we were watching. Like what he was saying about the movie inside of it. To me, when I was listening to it, I heard him talking about the movie we were watching. And it was so poignant and true. And it's just like, it goes to show you how confusing this movie is. Because it's like, the movie is aware of how bad it is. Or is it? I don't know. It's hard to tell sometimes. Sometimes it seems like it's on purpose. And then other times you're like, oh no, this is just a horrible fucking movie.
1: I think what happened was is he just hired all these people back cuz that's what makes the movie good, I guess, now. And some of them just came with their, you know, own agendas. And when he filmed the scenes, he just he had no choice but to use some of them. He's <laughs> like, "Well, I can't I can't not have Jason Biggs' character. I have to have all of them. I have to have the original Bluntman and Chronic."
0: <laughs> yeah, really fucking weird. But I mean, Overall, this has got to be one of the worst endings to a comedy movie ever. I think of all the comedy movies I've seen, and, you know, comedies don't need a super strong ending, but you just think of all the comedies you've seen. How many times has there been a comedy with an ending so bad where it literally ruined the entire, like a third, the back third of the movie. Literally ruined any semblance of respect the first two thirds had, even though that it was slim for those as well.
1: <sighs> mm. the, that new Dumb and Dumber? Uh, that one mm. was kind of bad.
0: That was a bad ending. Yeah. No, you're right. That wasn't a great that ending was either. A really bad. Ending. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I think this is worse. So it it's worse. It's way worse. <laughs> this uh, is the worst in my eyes that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think that we just saw the worst ending, the worst of a comedy movie. I mean, definitely the worst ending of a Kevin Smith movie. I'll take the ending of Tusk any day of the week over the ending of this fucking <laughs> piece of garbage. And, uh, yeah, Tusk
1: was a fucking comedy masterpiece in comparison. To this it really, movie. it
0: really was. Yeah, it really was. Uh, But uh, I I think that we, I think we've poked at this hornet's nest enough now. Uh, I'll do one final question to you, broadcaster Nichols. Is this it for Kevin Smith? Is this movie going to sink him? I think as,
1: I think it's going to sink the IP. I don't, for a while at least. I don't think the IP the universe the franchise whatever you want to call it is going to come back for quite some time but is Kevin Kevin Smith is director no I think he's not done hmm I think we might get a you know another tusk type movie eventually or um you know yoga hosers or you know
0: whatever the fuck
1: he comes up with
0: well this is what I'll say about it Kevin Smith can't get financed anymore this movie, Jane Silent Bob Reboot, he paid for it himself. <sighs> so, this movie, it, it's almost more like a fan film, but made by the original creator in the way that he just made it. He, there's, there's no studio behind it, and he cannot get movies made anymore by Hollywood. They don't trust him because the last couple movies he did make were, I mean, cop out. They even make fun of cop out in this movie a lot, which I thought was kind of cringy because. That's like your latest movie, almost. Why are you? Like, why are you fucking? Let it let it rest a little while before you start making fun of it. Like you're still there, dude. You're not out of it yet.
1: God, that's sad. I didn't know he paid for all of
0: it. Yeah, he did. God. And to me, that means that this movie had to be good for him to get Hollywood's trust back. I don't know if the woke bullshit in this movie is enough. To just like appease them. And maybe that's why he did that. Maybe it is just to get more funding from Hollywood. I don't know. But I think this movie is so bad, it doesn't matter how much woke shit's in it. I do not think that Hollywood is going to give him another chance. And that's why I think this is it for Kevin. I think this is it. I think he's just going to become a podcaster from here on.
1: God. Rest in pepperonis, Kevin Smith.
0: Yeah. It's like, man, you're going to go out ruining your best movie. It just fucking, it's heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. But uh Broadcaster Nichols, is there anything else you would like to say about this movie?
1: I was going in hoping this movie would be a passing of the torch. But it ended up being an extinguishing of the flame. It's a sad day.
0: In the broadcasting world. It really is. Alright, well here on the crack cellar we use the Patented Joker rating system Broadcaster Nichols On that system What do you rate Jay and Silent Bob Reboot You
1: know I'm gonna have to give it One Humiliating Jared Leto
0: dun 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 oh man man oh man may
1: god help us all
0: it is with a solemn solemn heart and uh heavy eyelids that i also give this movie a jared leto i think it's i think it's kevin smith's worst fucking movie by f- a thousand miles and it's heartbreaking and i think Ouch. this is it I think this is it for him. So, on that note, we will close out. Rest in peace, Kevin Smith. It was a long, strange journey.
1: Alanis Moore said, Call me.
0: She's still pretty hot. Is she?